Did you know that Emma Stone has been cast to play Cruella DeVille in an upcoming Disney rendition of 101 Dalmatians, the character? No, what does that have to do with the episode? Well, it's like just the latest in a broad range of anti-heroes and villains that have been getting fleshed out on the big screen or small screen. I'm talking Harley Quinn, Catwoman, Maleficent. Uh, yeah, the past few years there's been a lot of like prequels and sequels. Yeah, but specifically for anti-heroes and villains. Uh, lots of times, the backstories that we get for these people in the independent spinoffs, they're not always backstories. Um, they're meant to humanize or offer some path of redemption for the evil character. Yeah, which sometimes takes away from the character, I feel like. Because sometimes the coolness of a character just deals with the fact that they don't care. And then when you actually give them a story, it sometimes doesn't always work. Yeah, it doesn't always work. But, like, say in Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of the Joker, the audience was, like, given a ground to pity that killer. And then in Cobra Kai, we were motivated to, like, root for the original movie's villain. And then, say, in Wicked, the play, um, we're basically given evidence that basically absolves the Wicked Witch of the West. Um, And by the end of the play, we're, we're basically on their side completely. Yeah. So, is it any really any real wonder that Ratchet on Netflix, an origin story and reimagining of evil nurse in One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, would follow the same formula in attempting to humanize a wicked character? Well, it's just such an odd character, an odd movie to take to that you would think they would make a prequel of. Like, I mean, I, I, if you were to ask me what's the most, like, popular thing that they would make a prequel of for a character, I wouldn't think of the evil nurse and the one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, it's out of the box, but usually successful shows are driven by kind of strange characters. And until I heard that Ryan Murphy was involved, I expected this type of show to be true to the story itself. But once I heard he was attached, you, you know who Ryan Murphy is, right? Like, he's one of the most powerful television titans in the business. I'm talking Nip Tuck. You remember that show, yeah. that doctor show? Yeah. Uh, you had Glee. He's, he created mm-hmm. that. He created American Horror Story. That's probably where he's the most famous so from. Just powerhouse, basically. Scream Queens, Pose, The Politician, 911, Hollywood. Wow. He's Netflix like, handed him a record $300 million contract, five five year contract. Well, it makes sense because Hollywood, I think, was on Netflix as well. But yeah. Yeah, that's true. And The Politician also was on Netflix, but it was filmed, I think, for a different network originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Netflix needed more LGBTQ content, and he has a reputation for focusing on historically marginalized characters. And yeah, that, that, yeah, that makes sense with this. Yeah. And so, like Christopher Nolan, he casts the same people. Like, in a yeah. lot of his stuff. Yeah. So, like, Matt Bomber has been in four of his things. Yeah, a lot of directors, once they get comfortable with, like, you know, actors. Yeah, I'm not surprised with that. But Sarah Paulson takes the cake. That's the person who leads this show. Mm-hmm. She's been in, like, five things. I think that's the most. And what did you think of her performance? It was good. Like, she definitely fulfilled what needed to be done. What, did, what needed to be done? Like, making you feel sympathy for her, but also realizing that, like, she did a really good job being evil also. Especially by the end of the episode where she convinces someone to kill themselves. Okay, so she was sympathetic, though? Yeah. You've only seen the pilot of the series, and I know later on they go deeper into the depths of what happens to her as a child. But what specifically made her a sympathetic character? Well, there's a scene in which she's speaking to Mr. Salvatore, and she explains how she was taken away by her family by, I think, the authorities when she was younger. And, like, that's obviously, like, a tragic backstory. And do you, also, Do you see that happen as she's explaining it? No. Does it, it do a it, cut flash? Or no, just... it's just her explaining it okay. to Okay, and she does a good job of that. Yeah. 
All right. Well, let me just give a background. One, uh, one Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is a comedy drama that came out in 1975, but it was the second film to ever win five top Oscars, like best yeah. director, best. Oh yeah. yeah, the top five. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's one of two. Do you want want to know what the first Wasn't one the is? Wasn't the other one uh, yeah. Gone with the Wind? No, it happened one night. No, I I knew that. Yeah, I knew that. Well, <laughs> apparently you got it wrong here, so yeah. we're gonna have to dock you points. Um, before the Cuckoo's Nest was a film it was a broadway play and before that it was a novel um the ratchet character was based off a real nurse that the writer was working with when he worked at a psych ward and uh, i think he was volunteering there so it's kind of like perry mason where it's like the writer was an actual lawyer i guess uh her character can be summed up as controlling patronizing and overall like she misuses her authoritative power yeah um he late he later met her again after he released the book and I think after the movie came out too, and he said that she was much smaller and a whole lot more human than he remembered her. <laughs> so it's funny how people have a an impact on you at a certain time, maybe in a certain position. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Louise Flesher, the lady who won an, uh, the best actress for playing her in the 1975 film. She said, I didn't want to make her a monster. I wanted to make her believable as a person in those circumstances. It was the Nixon era back then. And uh, when you have the president thinking that he knows best about things, uh, you can easily make characters and villains the same way. Yeah. where They're or acting any, upon their own impulses, thinking, I know what's best. Or yeah. any form of government. Because like in this episode, there's like an evil governor. Okay. Played by yeah, Vincent played D'Onofrio. By, yeah. yeah, I was going to get into that. So he's not a main, main cast member, but he's definitely in there. Mm-hmm. They definitely try to expand the universe, but when you look at Ratchet's character herself, she's much different, almost unrecognizable to the film version that is portrayed, or even the way that she's written in the book. I guess with Ryan Murphy being attached to the project, it's just so much more expansive in his universe, and also he doesn't really do subtle, and this is a very subtle character. Like I think part of the reason she won the Oscar is because how she was able to keep a calm. Mm-hmm. And almost uh, not stoic, but like domineering presence while keeping her face just completely stagnant the entire time. Yeah. Versus, again, Murphy, who kind of writes his characters very crazy and bright. Yeah, the thing about her character in the film was that it was like a very authoritative demeanor. And in this one, she's more, I don't know, just kind of closed off, I would say. Yeah, she could grow into the authoritative part, but I don't think you can change someone from being kind of uh, quiet to being, or from being loud into being very quiet and yeah. holding it all in. This is supposed to take place 20 years before the events of the movie, The Cuckoo's Nest, and uh, she's played by someone who's 45. Sarah Paulson is 45 years old. Louise Fletcher was 40 years old at the time that she shot the movie. Mm-hmm. So... Doesn't it feel like it's uh, a little awkward to see someone's that the age difference? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, mostly just because, again, it's not like really what you're used to. Well, you, I mean, if she's supposed to be working her way up the ladder and this new recruit, she's almost 50. Yeah, like, yeah you would want to get someone who like... Not, I'm not saying that she wouldn't be hired, but I'm saying for someone who's supposed to be so manipulative and so aimed at trying to succeed yeah. or, or get her thing done, like she's middle-aged yeah no again that's why i'm saying if you had someone younger who was like doing that it would make more sense because like you're seeing that like how they're living their life i guess okay what is her purpose her motive right now it's to uh well her motive in this episode is to get the job because um 
she wants to let uh, this person named Edmund Tolson, who we see at the beginning of the episode, kill six priests. Um, Which go. is based on like a real killing, but I think it happens later. It may be Richard Spector or someone else. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and uh, that's it. I, I really like the first 10 minutes because it was kind of like a dark opening where you can see these priests walk into this house and then Edmund Tolson just comes in there and suddenly just starts like stabbing them, including his possible father, Monsignor, who Edmund blames as uh, possibly killing his mother's sister, Margaret McGuire. How did he kill her? Um, because they were together, and then Margaret McGuire was taken to what Edmund describes as a whorehouse, got addicted to heroin, and then died. Okay, so are we to believe that Edmund and Sarah Paulson's ratchet, ratchet are related? Well, you get that at the very end of the episode, but at first we don't know who Edmund is. We just see him killing people. Okay, but at the end of the episode, yeah, what's at the revealed? End, at the end of the episode, she goes down to this wine cellar um, where he's being kind of locked up, and then she's like, I'm going to get you out of here. And a wine cellar doesn't seem like a place in well, a the re- hospital. The reason is because before it turned into a psychiatric hospital, someone lived there, and so they like changed the rooms because there was a ton of rooms. It was like a mansion uh, to patient rooms, but the wine cellar was the only place that they could keep this Edmund Tolson guy because he was a killer and they didn't want him around the other patients. Okay, so let's talk about the setting for a second. Murphy is notorious for like his all-out style, if anything. He has saturation, colorful aesthetics, uh, great set design, impressive costumes. At times it felt like I was watching a Wes Anderson film. Uh, Yeah, it's very different from the movies, bland hospitals, and the traditional ways that hospitals are represented. Um, they're usually very white and just that's yeah. it. Uh, and there was this weird coloring thing he did where whenever she walked into one specific room at the psychiatric hospital, it always turned green, like the whole entire frame turned like green. Like a green hue, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's almost like with J.J. Abrams, he's, again, notorious for doing that type of thing. Yeah. You can go to uh, scenes in American Horror Story well, where it will go from black and white into like full-out color. It reminds me of Vast of the Night 2, that movie that came out on Amazon Prime. Yeah, they actually have some famous people involved with the colorization. I forgot what who it was but they do spend a lot of money and time on that even the negative reviews say it's quite a spectacle um and did it actually take the show to another level you think with the coloring yeah i mean it was definitely different to watch it wasn't too much no okay um the reason i ask is because with the negative reviews it kind of made it seem as if like the best thing you can say about a show is it's coloring or its costume design that feels rather superficial it's almost like with president snow in hunger games where like he constantly kept a flower around him so he wouldn't have to (laughs) smell the blood in his mouth like it felt like okay maybe this is trying to cover for something but apparently uh ryan murphy wanted the psychiatric hospital to look like a hotel that had been turned into a hospital yeah it definitely did (laughs) yeah and it was the biggest set that a lot of them had ever built, especially the person who actually built it. It was huge, apparently. And in contrast, the quote from the person who did the uh, original film says, we filmed in a real mental hospital and some of the patients joined the crew. We had an arsonist in the art department. I didn't realize (laughs) until later that many of them were criminally insane. Wow. So it's pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it just seems like in contrast, two very, very different types of things. Let me ask. If you didn't know because the character, you just didn't remember their name and their age difference and also the um, period change and the hospital change and everything, would you recognize that this had anything to do with Cuckoo's Nest? No, not at first. Okay. What do you mean at first? Like, I mean, if I were to only watch the pilot, no. But if I were to watch the rest of the series, probably. 
I I beg to differ. Not from what I've heard about the rest of the series. Huh. But like, they're not going to introduce McMurphy or anything because again, this is well, twenty yeah, years beforehand. Course, yeah. So what would give it away? I guess. Because a lot of people say this is just like American Horror Story Asylum, except not as good a version of it. If Don't get me wrong. If you like Ryan Murphy and his shows and American Horror Story throughout, you're going to love this show. Yeah, I would say so, too. The audience reviews for this are very, very positive in comparison to the critical reviews. The critical reviews have been scathing <laughs> to a certain degree. To, for instance, it's an indulgent show that indulges no one. Too schlocky. Uh, its connection to Cuckoo's Nest feels conspicu- uh, conspicuously tenuous, and like it's cashing in on that character, but it could be about anyone. Yeah. Um, Murphyverse is tired and repetitive. This could be just another AHS uh, asylum. And then it's over-the-top violence and nonsense plotting. No, it is true from what I saw from the first episode that you could definitely change the name and it wouldn't make that much of a difference. Yeah. If you look at the audience score, though, on something like Rotten Tomatoes or even IMDb, uh, they're much higher than the critical score or even the articles that are being written about it. What are the reviews for that? Well, it just seems like if you go to the user reviews themselves, that there are people who are fans of the movie who aren't a fan of the show, but... Ryan Murphy fans, people who enjoy his stuff, really like it. And uh, even like Google reviews are all like five stars and talking about it. So again, if you're willing to, I guess, suspend your disbelief, because another thing this show does is it brings into the extraterrestrial part of the universe. Yeah, and it also goes super wild with what the character, like how evil the character actually gets. How how far do they go into the extraterrestrial world? Well, I don't want to give that away. You only watch the pilot, but the point is that Murphy doesn't really have a line that he's drawing in the sand where he says, okay, we have to remain in this world that was created by uh, Jack Nicholson's whole crew. Like, he's, he's willing to go somewhere else with this. In fact, if you think about it, the original Cuckoo's Nest, as I said, was a dr- drama comedy. Like, right, definitely yeah. dramatic at the end. But the worst you see is, like, someone s- slit their own wrists. Right, it's, yeah. it's not supposed to be this horrific uh, thriller that's m- meant to <laughs> keep you on edge or creep you out or make you uncomfortable in that manner. Yeah, that's very true. Um, but in a Murphyverse type of uh, telling of this story, it it sounds like they concentrated really heavily on the horror, so much so that they paid homage to like a ton of famous horror films. Uh, you had Psycho, Cape Fear, Vertigo, uh, Marnie, North by Northwest, Bates Motel. Like, could you tell the Bates Motel reference when she first got into town? She apparently stayed at some sort of dinky hotel. She put. I saw that she was staying at a like motel, but I didn't catch it now yeah it was supposed to be some sort of parallel with hitchcockian oh maybe she was in room 13 because i know that was something with hitchcock yeah yeah. maybe i know you only watched the pilot but were there any plot holes or inconsistencies that took away from it at all no i mean i'll give the show this like everything made sense there wasn't one part that kind of fell out of place but there were parts that like you need to have suspension disbelief like for example mr salvatore who's a character that we kind of get to know throughout the story uh he's hoping to be furloughed and then uh, Ratchet goes up to her and, uh, him and is like, you're not going to be able to be furloughed. That's just not going to happen. And then she kind of convinces him to kill himself. And as he kills himself, there's a ton of reporters outside. There's the governor outside. There's Dr. Manover outside. And Dr. Manover starts freaking out because he sees what's happened. And she's like, I'll take care of it. You go out there and smile and, like, you know, don't worry about it. And it's like that probably wouldn't happen in those circumstances. Sorry to switch gears, but did you recognize the guy who played Edmund? Because that was Finn Wittruck, and uh, he was in the big short. 
He was also in the Death of the Salesman Broadway play, which I know you saw. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, he yeah, I think I know what he put. Yeah, did he play Andrew Garfield's brother? Happy Bowman? Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. But yeah, no, I did not recognize him. Mm-hmm. And then there's also some other famous names well, attached I, well, before to you, Before you go yeah. on, actually, one of the funny things was, was that I knew that this was a prequel to one to Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and when you first see him walk into the like priest's house, I was like, is that supposed to be Jack Nicholson's character? Because they kind of make him look like it, but like, oh, you know, obvious. Purpose, yeah. yeah. And also, when you saw him, like, the music really comes in, and I was like, oh, maybe they're, like, really trying to milk it. But, yeah, no, it's obviously not him. Yeah, Sarah Paulson said if they do bring in his character, they would bring his character in in a much later season. This has already been greenlit for two seasons. There was, like, a battle. Well, no, right right from the bat. But the battle was between Apple and, I think, Hulu for the rights to the character. And I think Michael Douglas still has the rights because his dad, Kirk Douglas, was the main actor in the original play. Um, And he was just too old to be in the movie. That's why they ended up casting Jack Nicholson. Do you know... full story about the the movie which is pretty interesting but yeah you know do you know if they like skipped the pilot phase and they just went straight for like a full season order yeah i think it was just automatically greenlit for two seasons and um so eight episodes each i believe yeah probably because they knew this show would be pretty popular with a lot it's of people interesting because uh, obviously ryan uh murphy has his fingers in a lot of like different pools right now he's got uh, american horror story season 10 coming out which she's also in and guess who else uh, macaulay culkin apparently has joined the <laughs> series at this point and uh, she's directing a ton of episodes because it's basically launched her career even further um did they show her sexuality at all? Because they do go into that in later yeah, episodes. Yeah, there's a there's a scene where the guy from Ant Man, the evil character, yeah, um, Corey Stahl. Yeah, she, he kind of like goes into her room because she allows him to. Because you saw him staring at her when she first entered. And does he work for the mayor? The Vincent uh, I don't know. They, oh, okay. they didn't go yeah. into that yet, but. Uh, anyways, you think that, like, they're about to start, like, flying around, but then she's like, no, sit at the opposite end of the bed, and then he's like, um, okay, and then she's like, now, let's act like we're a married couple that, uh, decided to, like, have a fight, and then he's like, over what? And then she's like, uh, I don't want to have children, but you do, and then it just gets too much for him at a certain point where he's like, okay, you know, if you want to do something, you know where to find me, and he leaves the room. <laughs> yeah, that just seems very different than the character that was in the... Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a funny movie. scene just because, like, I, maybe unintentionally funny just because of how far she goes with it but um yeah it, it didn't really fit yeah well the on-screen battle between uh ratchet and mcmurphy's character in the film is what kind of drove the story right but is there a certain character or is it just made up of all the other characters because there's a lot of famous names on here that uh kind of propel her character like who is her foil who is her like versus i guess uh well she does end up blackmailing one of the other nurses who was working um because she like walks into a room and sees that a nurse was having sex with another guy and she blackmails uh that nurse for her job so which which nurse is it amelia that's her name okay because i know that there's also a nurse um betsy bucket right yeah she's she's like the main nurse okay so she's the head of the ward yeah that's her position in the jack nicholson film so you have to assume that she's heading she's going for that job right yeah but you'd think that if she's just trying to break out what's his face edmund right Mm -hmm. that she would then just 
leave, right? Like they would yeah, go off the, together. So something yeah. has to happen, right? Yeah. Throughout the season that goes wrong. But it just, it, again, it's almost such a leap of faith that you would do that with a character because it's like, it, it was pretty concise in the movie. You understood the character pretty well. You didn't really need a backstory. The fact that, like, suddenly she knows this murder and that she's going to try and break him out well, and I think all she, this stuff. It's, we, we learn later on more about their connection. Yeah. I, yeah. She, it's not like she just met him at a bar somewhere. Sure. Um, and then he killed a bunch of priests and priests and yeah. Uh, she's also again starring in American Horror Story, but American Horror Story is having a spin-off series that uh, Ryan Murphy is behind. And I want to know if you can guess the name because she's going to be starring in that too. Um, the name of this is it's either American Horror Stories, so yeah, plural, right. uh, European terror, terror tales, <laughs> um, Egyptian monsters in the basement, or Crew of the Damned. Okay, if it's Egyptian monsters in the basement, then that's that's crazy. I'm gonna go with a European title though. What was that again? European terror tales. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's literally just uh, synonyms of the first. <laughs> no, it's actually American horror stories. Okay, yeah. They, that, they did not go very. That original makes the most sense. One. Yeah. Does it though? I mean, that's... it's like ghost story and ghost stories. Even though those two movies don't have anything in common, it's like yeah. They're... Well, it's funny because she was in the American Crime series for the O.J. Simpson trial, right. and that had two shows that were like almost specifically named next to each other. Yeah. But they were like completely different series. So it feels like TV's just trying to fool us at this point and yeah. hope that you change to that channel. Yeah. Um, is, is So overall, what did you think of the show? Did you think it was worthy of, say, a second watch for the next episode? Oh, no. I, I mean, like, like I said... You sounded like you were okay with it. I was okay with it, but it's just not something that I would want to watch because it didn't seem that interesting. That's another... Yeah, this is, some complaints have been that it's too bland, that it doesn't feel like it's actually telling a story. It feels like it's just kind of falling on it. Like right. if, if you said this got great stuff. reviews, then I, I maybe would give it a second chance. But Okay, so you can't really tell from the pilot episode. It, it has the opportunity yeah, to yeah, go in the right direction, yeah. but if it doesn't continue on the storyline. Again, I found the criticism to this show more appealing, not because I know if it's true or not, but because they came at it with such kind of interesting angles. Like they were like, uh, I think he used the same set as he did for the Hollywood series because it (laughs) took place in the same time and both are supposed to be these extravagant sets and stuff. Yeah, not to mention the fact that Hollywood only came out like a couple months ago. Yeah, and you know that Hollywood is actually based on the idea that Hollywood was uh, embraced seen marginalized characters from the get-go and it's like an alternate re- reality oh, where, yeah, where they that. were the the ones who were getting all the top roles for the longest time it's kind of a funny <laughs> premise to think yeah. about um but i don't think that the show did particularly well so i'm not sure if netflix is actually cashing in really great on on but with chuck Lorre, it's the same deal like yeah. CBS, cbs will like fund anything he does basically yeah and he ends up getting views for it regardless right. so it's probably just a matter of time before one of his shows really takes off and they probably all get steady viewership. You mentioned the score earlier and I wanted to point out in the movie, uh, the movie gets credit because it says the edgy nature of the film extends into the score, giving it a profoundly disturbing feel at times, even when everything else uh, appeared relatively normal. So what did you think of the music in the television show? I thought that it, like, fit the tone pretty well. Like, there was, it was a lot of, like, yeah, dark songs. but did they do any pop culture music? Obviously. Oh, no, there wasn't okay, any, Okay, so like, yeah. they did stick to the period, basically. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Violins? Yeah, a lot of violins. Yeah. yeah, okay. As far as the rest of the cast is concerned, I think you have Sharon Stone playing Lenore Osgood. She hires a hitman or something. 
uh, Cynthia Nixon, who is play who plays Gwendolyn, and she's the campaign manager. Yeah, we met her this episode. Yeah, she's going to play a bigger role in the series. I think she's one of the top build ones. Um, and then you had the director of the hospital. I think you already mentioned him. Yeah, Doctor Manover, played by John John Briannis. Uh And then there's a badly disfigured uh, orderly. Yeah, we only him? saw him for a second. He says hi to a ratchet, but like you see his eye and it's pretty messed up. Okay, yeah, uh, Huck Finnegan is his name i think uh out of all of them who would you say is your favorite character probably ratchet because you're, you like you said she's an anti-hero and you basically follow her story yeah so i wasn't sure because like you you have characters like hannibal which they did the same thing where they're going to turn out to be a villain regardless right but he had like a sense of humor yeah and he was also very very smart i think smarter than she's portrayed in the film version and i guess she's probably going to be more intelligent here but also more brutal um then you also have things like No Country for Old Men. If I heard that the villain in that was no, going to get his I, own series... I wouldn't want to see it. Well, no, I would give it a shot, but I just would find it really difficult because he's so one-sided and, right. like, if, he's not a dynamic character. Exactly, And yeah. I didn't think that she was a dynamic character either. So, like, it's just weird. Is this going to bring in a movement of taking characters who have always been considered like flat face because the joker was always dynamic um harley quinn they've made dynamic like it's so so this is like a pretty big shift to take a character and then completely change their like backstory or create one like mildred the name mildred is mildred ratchet yeah she didn't even have that i i don't think until um the film because the main lady uh louise Fletcher, uh, she actually made that up for her character. Oh, she also yeah. made up a backstory in her own head. Like, she apparently had made it that uh, she was a 40-year-old virgin that was attracted to Jack Nicholson's character but couldn't have him, and that's why she acted the huh. way she did or something like that, which is not how she's yeah, going to be yeah. portrayed here. Um, so it's 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 really interesting how they are just changing it. Yeah, and it's also just kind of the age of the movie compared to the TV show. Like you mentioned the Joker. There's been like reiterations of the Joker forever, and it's been usually pretty recent in mind, at least like maybe the longest being a decade or so when we haven't seen him. But with this, it's like it's been decades, and there hasn't really been any talk about it. That's you know? true, but like with AFI's 100 best villains or whatever, she's always ranked up there. Yeah. And apparently after she won the Oscar, she would get stopped at like airports and stuff and people would tell her how much they hated her like <laughs> it just this things that uh who, who played the bad guy in like frankenstein i think he also had the same problem the one who was like ray romano's dad like people would approach oh, yeah. him and be scared of him because they were like <laughs> for the longest time so for people new to the series uh is there anything else in the episode that you think that they would have found interesting or that you want yeah, to describe in one of the scenes mildred meets with amelia to kind of blackmail her and at the very end she gives amelia a uh like a doll because earlier on in the episode Mildred met Amelia's husband and saw that she had a daughter um just to kind of figure out where she would be so she could have this like kind of talk with her so I found that like interesting yeah um it seems like the cast is much bigger in in this show yeah it is like I think in the whole movie there was like four or five women and and this thing it sounds like it, the majority yeah, of them are yeah, women majority are, yeah <laughs> yeah so that's that's also a dis- shift in dynamics if you got locked up in a psych ward which version of ratchet would you be more scared or intimidated by probably the television version because i feel like there'd be a bigger chance of me dying in the film version i feel like i just hate my life there but yeah i agree i think the film version was more just a control freak that wanted everything to be um 
the way that she wanted yeah. it, but otherwise wouldn't just like slit your throat while you were sleeping mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And on that positive note, I think we can end the episode. I think we've covered most of the things that we were going to, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.